You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, well, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of Doctor Who universe. Hold tight, you never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please. Get off this planet while you still have a choice. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Earth Station Who. That's right, folks. We are still wandering in the lost year and trying to figure out what the heck to talk about. And we got a good one to do this week. We're going back to the 11th Doctor era. And you know what? We are talking about one of the finest. And it just seems to fit right into what we were talking about over on Earth Station One. We're talking about Neil Gaiman, of course. And we are not talking about the Cybermen story, thank goodness. We are actually talking about the doctor's wife. It should be a very interesting discussion. It was, you know, Matt's second season as the 11th Doctor and... You know, this is all in the middle of Amy and Rory, and we'll talk all about that type of stuff because I got questions, got thoughts, and it should be a lot of fun. And we got a great guest joining with us from the podcast, This Epic Disaster. Let's welcome Sherry Brown. Hello. How are you today? Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Mike. Welcome back. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you. it is, I've wanted you back on the Doctor Who podcast, and I know you don't go tons into the old series, so we were trying to figure when is a good time to fit you in, and this is one of the better ones from this era. Not that there are bad ones, but this is one of the stellar ones. This is a great one. And I thought it would be perfect, I thought it would be perfect for you to join us. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate that, and I'm just thrilled to be here. You want to tell everyone about this epic disaster? Yes, this epic disaster is a podcast that I do with my co-host Rick. Uh, we discuss disasters in life, but mostly we just discuss the disaster that is our own life. Um, we like to laugh, we like to drink beer, we like to talk about sometimes some serious subjects and sometimes just some frivolous nonsense. I'm going to go with mostly frivolous nonsense. So, uh, if you want to have a listen, please do. Uh, we're, we record. Once a week, release every Monday, and you can find us at thisepicdisaster.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisepicdisaster. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, and you can download us anywhere that you can download podcasts. It's a fun podcast, folks. Definitely give it a listen. And this show actually evolved out of a show that used to be on the ESO network because it was also Life in a Kilt is how I first met you. That's correct. Rick and I started a podcast back in... 2013 uh, called Life in a Kilt Podcast. And then we took a break and then we started it back up again in 2015. We did probably 69, 70 episodes of that. And you can only talk about kilts for so long. It turned into just the Rick and Sherry show. So we thought, let's just do a Rick and Sherry show. So we uh, put a stop, a slow grinding halt 
to Life in a Kilt, and we started This Epic Disaster. We've now done more podcasts of This Epic Disaster than we did of Life in a Kilt, and it doesn't show any signs of stopping. So again, it's This Epic Disaster, and it, it is kind of a disaster, but it's fun. Exactly. And, you know, you will find out more about these two people than you ever wanted to know. It's pretty. Oh, hard. you have no idea. You have no idea. And we post pictures of those things, too. That's even scarier, almost as bad as the picture Rick posted of no air conditioning. Yes. Yes. That's what I was thinking of when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of figured. Kind of figured. We also have our regular co-hosts for us tonight. And, of course, let's welcome Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you this week, sir? I am. I'm doing well. Uh, it's uh, yes, it is uh, Neil Gaiman week here on the station. So um, yeah, all is good. Mm, it definitely is, and we have Mary Ogle with us once again. Hi, everybody! It is great to be here. Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite writers, so I'm very interested in talking about this episode. It is definitely because he has been a Doctor Who fan since the very beginning, and I. He I've has. seen interviews with him and he said he remembers watching the very first episode of Doctor Who and the person looked, you're that old? He says, I'm much older than I look. <laughs> I think, uh, I think it, you know, it's, it's to uh, Stephen Moffat's credit that he, you know, opened up the doors to new writers uh, that are just getting their breaks to, to uh, have this episode. I thought that was really uh, nice of him. It was nice of him to give Neil a chance, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because he he probably wouldn't have gone anywhere otherwise. Yeah, well, look know, at look at how flash in a pan. And how his career has gone since. We're not talking about American Gods. I promise. I promise. We're not going to touch on that one. But yes, uh, it's awesome. We definitely want to hear from you guys at home. So please write us at eswpodcast at gmail dot com. And as I've been promising, a new email address is coming. I just have to find the time to do it. It's just been craziness, but. ESWpodcast at gmail.com is our email right now. So please drop us a line. We definitely want to hear what you guys thought about this episode. Also, a quick shout out and thank you to our patrons. That's right. We have been doing amazing stuff with our Patreon, and you guys have been helping to support us on there. We've been posting this episodes of Earth Station Who. We've been posting episodes of Earth Station One and the Dragon Con report up there early for you guys so 48 hours before the real world gets it patrons get it and you can uh, listen and enjoy and you know you guys have obviously been doing that so it's been pretty awesome and you know for as little as 25 cents a week you could help support the ESO network and you guys have been doing it and you've been knocking it out of the ballpark we have now four levels on our patreon we have the dollar level we have the five dollar level the ten dollar level and the brand new $15 level and you guys have been jumping up and you know definitely saying hey we want to help support ESO and you guys will be rewarded for it you know and we're giving you new material just talked last night about doing some exclusive material and podcasts just right for the uh, wonderful Patreons and you know you also get the ESO Network Riffs podcast, which is exclusive for the Patreon. And I can honestly say right now, you guys are going to get the July episode in a little over a week and you guys are going to get, so I married an ax murderer. That's pretty awesome. So it should be a lot of fun to talk about and riff about. And, you know, 
you know, Mike Myers when he's not being Austin Powers or Wayne. It's pretty cool. So with that being said, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash ESO network. Thank you guys so, so much. All right. Doctor Who news. <laughs> Still not that much news coming out. Uh, rumors starting to go around about the new season, but we don't talk about rumors here on the show. It usually gets a little too dangerous for us, and usually we get egg on our face when we talk about it. So we're not going to do that. But our friends over at Big Finish have some pretty big news that they've come out with. They are doing a 20-hour live stream. That is right, folks. 20 hours of live Big Finish audios featuring Doctor Who to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Doctor Who on Big Finish. That's pretty cool. Do you guys, um, Sherry, do you, have you ever listened to any of the Big Finish audios? I have not. I'll be honest with you. I have not. Okay. Um, we have started getting into it here on the podcast. I, before Earth Station Who, I had not um, heard a ton of them, but, you know, it's a lot of the older doctors, but now they're even getting into new series stuff, which is pretty awesome. You know, they're doing uh, David Tennant and Rose stories. Ah, well then I would cool. definitely be interested. Yes. And they also have done, of course, the Diary of River song. So mm. with Alex, Ke- so it's been pretty cool. And we've been reviewing a few of those, but what they're planning on doing, which is pretty awesome on July 20th and 21st, uh, the official home of Doctor Who on YouTube will broadcast more than 20 episodes of Big Finish Audio Adventures featuring David Tennant, Tom Baker, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann, and David Bradley. That's pretty cool, and many, many more. So it should be interesting to see how that comes about and everything. And it's I assume it's pretty much going to be free for everybody. It doesn't say anything about that you have to be a you know subscriber or pay a fee for it so should be interesting to see it's going to be called doctor who the legacy of time and it's going to be celebrating from back from 1999 the first production was doctor who the sirens of time and it starred peter davison colin baker and sylvester mccoy and then it has expanded its ranges to over 850 titles from doctor who and its various spin-offs so, you know, that's a lot of listening for all of us to do. So if Doctor Who doesn't come back, I think we'll be okay and ready for more adventures. Is it is it just going to be something that's you streaming and you have to catch it while it's streaming? Or is it going to be like there for a while so people can just listen to it whenever? I'm sure it's, I'm looking over it and I'm sure it'll be up there for a while. You know, and then, you know, I'm sure they'll make money off of it by releasing it on download or CD as they do oh, with so everything not, they do. So they're not, oh, so I thought, I got the impression that this was already existing stories that they were releasing, that they were airing. Um, see, it seems like it because it says anyone joining the live stream will be able to comment and chat along with other fans about the adventures of the TARDIS while hearing audio productions starring the likes of David Tennant, Billy Piper, Alex Kingston, John Barrowman, Tom Baker, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann, David Bradley, Sophie Aldridge, Caddy Mating, uh, Nicole uh, Walker, Sir Derek Jacoby, and many more. So you might even be able to talk to some of these people while they're not doing it. I wonder, though, because the way you worded that, it did say that you'd be able to chat with fans while listening to recordings of those people. 
Yeah. So it might be, they might be doing like best ofs or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's, they're, they're doing existing audio dramas, but they're also premiering a new one. Mm-hmm. They are premiering uh, the Doctor Who, the Legacy of Time, a special anniversary box set release celebrating the 20th anniversary of Doctor Who at Big Finish. The first episode stars Paul McGann as the eighth Doctor, Alex Kingston as Professor Riversong, and Lisa Bowerman as Professor Bernie Sanderfield. And does Doctor have room for two t- time-traveling archaeologists in his life? Hmm. It'd be well, interesting to see. Fun. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great, son. Yeah, it should be a lot of interesting stuff. So that's the 20th and 21st of July. We'll have a link up to it up on our show notes. So definitely check that out. But other than that, there's not much Doctor Who stuff other than, folks, Doctor Who's coming back to the movies again. That's right. Celebrating the 10th anniversary of the end of time, which is David Tennant's last episode. Yeah, I'm not sure celebrating is the right word, but <laughs> okay. Well, every, think about it. Everyone in the theater at the end will say, I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think that is exactly what they'll be saying. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, it ends with Geronimo, so maybe, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's August 7th, 2019. And of course, it'll, you have to look up to find out if it's going to be playing in your area. I'm sure here in Atlanta, they'll be playing over at like, I think the Hollywood 24 and a few other theaters. So definitely check it out. And once again, we'll have show notes and we'll have the links up there. So pretty cool. Is it, is it just the, is it just the second part that they're area that they're showing? I assume it's the that, two- that was a two that was a two parter, right? Yeah, I assume it's the two parter. So they're going to show full parts. No, you'll see the full two part adventure, including appearances by fan favorite Billy Piper, Catherine Tate, John Sim, Elizabeth Sadin, John Barrowman, and many more. You know, the best part about that was Wilf. He was awesome in that. Everyone's got to love Wilf. Yeah, that's the one but- with Timothy Dalton, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, he was. <laughs> he, wow. Mary's even got some shade for Timothy Dalton, I hear. <laughs> I don't think I, it's been a while since I've heard Mary sound like this. Wow. Exactly. I did not like those episodes. I'm, I'm beginning to get that. Maybe we should review this one. Just, <laughs> just, just, just to torture me. Just to hear Mary go on. <laughs> Should we do it as a Patreon only? <laughs> so you do it as a riff tracks. That's that's not a bad idea. Oh, oh, oh. Mary, thank you. <laughs> no, no, you have to. The only one is going to say thank you. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Ghostwriter master, I don't know about that. Ghostwriter master. Yeah. First, he comes back like something out of Harry Potter, and then he looks like Ghost Rider. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, everyone wanted to look like the master in that one. So, oh, wait, he did. Brown. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And then Rassilon with his spittle coming out. Blah, blah. And, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't the best of ones, but. It was an end of an era and more ways than one. So maybe we will do it yeah. as a riff. And Mary will be the, up there in front 
griping and yelling about it. Yeah, the end and the end and the end and the end and the end of an era. And then finally, it was the end. Exactly. (laughs) These are the times of your life, Doctor. Uh, You know, at least with Tom Baker, when he regenerated, they just went, Doctor? Doctor, doctor. Instead, this Tom uh, David had to go and you know Did say bye to every single one. Yeah, <laughs> look at for the theaters at you know find out where it's going to be playing. But that is going to be August seventh. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back. Hey gang, do you need another podcast to listen to? Well, might I suggest my podcast? My name is Richard T. Yule, a.k.a. at Nerdy Laser on Instagram and Twitter, and I host the Nerdy Laser Podcast. We specialize in all things 90s and all things nerdy. We are a part of the ESO Network, so visit us at esonetwork.com. Also, nerdylaser.wordpress.com for more info. Welcome back. Now we are going to talk about The Doctor's Wife, which was the fourth episode of the sixth season of Doctor Who. So we are going back. Wow, I cannot believe we are going all the way back to 2011. Can you believe it's that long already? Wow. No. <laughs> I know. It, I, I saw the date on it and it was just like, what? <laughs> I feel like it was yesterday that we just watched this for the first time. And I don't know if that's because we're just getting old or it's just such a good, it's just such a good episode that it was so much fun. And it it holds up. I mean, it, it has not for me, it it was not dated. I was, I have seen this episode about five bazillion times and and I love it. I love it every time I see it. Too. I do too. And I actually, I was busy this week and I just kind of, I put it, I said, okay, I'm going to put it on the background to refresh my, to refresh my memory, but I've seen it five bazillion times. So I don't need to watch it again. And I was sucked in immediately. Everything else fell away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All I exactly. could do was watch it and enjoy it again. I, exactly. I was like, I got some marketing stuff to do for the podcast. I got to do this. I got to do some new bumper stuff. And let's put this on. I'll have this on in the background. I'll just look up every once in a while. Didn't touch anything else for the next hour. Nope, me either. Yeah. I did the same thing. And I'll be honest with you. It's one of those episodes that stands alone really well. Uh, it could have been, it could have been any doctor at any time and the episode itself, the storyline itself could have stood alone. Yeah. Oh I, yes. I very much so. There are, I think two sequences that I noticed that are references to the, the main plot line or storyline of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apart from those two things, yeah, it, absolutely. This is, this is, this is like a gem in the like in the middle of a season it's just it is one of the ones that stands out i mean there's a reason that it won at least two awards you know mm-hmm. well this wasn't originally written for the 11th doctor though either um yeah. it was no, no it was written no. for tenant it was written for tenant 
Oh, I thought it was uh, it was supposed to be um, produced uh, though the previous it was supposed to be produced um, the season before this though so it was yeah. it still would have been Matt. Well, they no. actually they weren't sure if it was going to be Matt in that season. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. That's I've true. T- I've told you the story about that that you know the season before they weren't sure if Tennant was leaving, and right. so a lot of the stories that were written for that season were written for David. Wow, I you know. Imagine trying to imagine. Hey, look, any of the doctors could have could have played this. This is one of those those seminal episodes or seminal stories where you could. It's kind of fun to imagine some of the different incarnations of the Doctor in this because everything about this would resonate with a different, like a different Doctor. You know, even Collins. Yep, even Colin. Well, sure. Yeah, I'll say it. Sure. Colin, Colin could have done it. He just he he would have been thrilled to have decent writing for a change. That's true. I I I don't know how many of the classic doctors would have referred to the TARDIS as sexy. But <laughs> yeah, that they might have had to rewrite that. <laughs> so so that might have been you know a thing for the new new who. But uh, but other than that, I mean, because the Doctor and the TARDIS have always been. As long as we've known them, as long as we, they've been, uh, you know, when Doctor Who first premiered it, premiered, it had the TARDIS. Like, they've been together. That's been the consistency for the 50-plus years. Right. Well, that's the one thing I've always said when we've been describing Doctor Who, that, you know, when people, like, been saying, oh, I hate this new Doctor, I wish so-and-so would be back. And we always say Doctor Who, the main theme of it is about change. And the th- great thing with it is the one thing that's consistent is his relationship with the TARDIS. And that came even more to the forefront in this episode. Yeah. And it's definitely a relationship. <laughs> However you want to frame it. It is, it is not, I mean, the TARDIS is not transportation. The tar- yeah. TARDIS is a partner mm-hmm. in his adventure. Yeah. I don't know when it's established, but I mean, we've watched enough uh, classic series to know that it's, it's not upfront about it, but it is very much suggested that the, that the TARDIS has a mind of its own. Mm-hmm. It's never really clarified as much as it is here. But, and I think there's some instances actually in New Who where it's, 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 it's clarified a little bit more than this. I mean, um, not as much as this, but I mean, a little bit more than it is in the classic series. But in the classic series, it just seems like, you know, it doesn't work, but it just so happens that they end up in places they need to be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I enjoyed about this episode the most is that just because the TARDIS was finally allowed to speak, they, thank goodness, didn't make her say anything stupid or anything oh, that, would, that would ruin anything. Everything she said was already known. Everything she, came out of her mouth. You already knew. One of the lines that she said that was very specific was, you know, when he says, you don't always take me where I want to go. And she says, but I always take you where you need to go. And like Mike was just saying, that's exactly true. That's what she's always done. And we already knew that. So just because she could speak, you know, they didn't try and put a bunch of dialogue in her that would have affected any, anything past or future. I think uh, her first words are um i can't remember specifically but 
that like the within the first few words of sentences that she forms are things like thief, someone stealing me, like someone, you know, I'm being stolen thief, you know, yeah. and she refers mm-hmm. to the doctor as, as her thief, which yeah. is just brings you right back to, you know, like the first doctor where it all began pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and then <laughs> later on when they talk about like who chose who it's just, it's just, it's just beautiful. Yeah, and it's what they Serenity Jones is brilliant <laughs> as Idris as the TARDIS. I mean, she she gives such a great sort of otherworldly performance, and the way she and and Matt Smith go back and forth is just it's such a pleasure to watch. I mean, th- those two were just having a ball yeah. there. No, Saran Jones is awesome as Idris, and it's interesting because I've been watching her recently on this one show called Gentleman Jim. Yeah, on the, HBO. Uh, Gentleman Jack, you mean? Gentleman Jack, sorry. Right, the one that's on HBO, yeah. Yes. And she's amazing. She, she is amazing. And she is amazing in this. And it's just to watch her, you know, she brings the TARDIS to life. The first, I had to, the first time I watched it, I had to watch it twice. It was just so blown away by her acting and her, her heartfeltness. And oh, is this pain is, you know, the whole thing, this is, you know, she doesn't know what's happening to her and it's just, it's just amazing to see or, and I love it, you know, Oh, this is biting. It's just like kissing, but it's much, there's always a winner. (laughs) Right. That's a great line. Um, Another line that she says that is, that is, uh, that's pretty great is um, safe is relative. When, when the actual TARDIS has, when House has taken the TARDIS and moved on with Amy and Rory, and then they are building together a makeshift TARDIS so that they can go and save them. Uh, when he says, you know, something about safety and she says, well, this body's about to die in 18 minutes and this universe that we're on is going to be nothing in, you know, 3.1 minutes. So safe is relative. You know, we're, we're not actually safe right now. And and I and I like her her comments there. No, exactly. And then you know, you fool. You know, you've always had me. And she like does the little thing with her finger, and it glows, and she powers the TARDIS there. Yes, yes, that's that's an amazing uh, uh, scene there as well. And and another scene when they're finally about to land in the control room, which I think is great that they used Ten's control room. But when they're about when they're about to land the makeshift TARDIS within the control room. And she tells Rory, get out of the way or else you'll be atomized. And he says, well, where are you going to be? And she goes, I don't know. <laughs> Surprise. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, so much, so much goodness. I, oh, I, I oh the pr- and she was calling uh, Rory the pretty one. The yeah. pretty one. <laughs> yes. I cannot... Uh... I cannot imagine like when, when this, when news of this came out, when news that um, Neil Gaiman was going to write an episode of Dr. Who, um, you know, obviously, you know, the community went wild. They were just like, this is great. This is awesome. Cause it just, you know, seemed like a perfect fit when, you know, outside of that, uh, when it became known that the, the TARDIS was going to have a voice and be personified that, was a big deal. So you have two really big deals of Doctor Who, like sort of intersecting with this episode, and there's a lot of expectations on this. And it's amazing that not only does it meet the expectations, but it completely blows them away. 
Oh, Agreed. very much so. Yes. Like that in and of itself is not easy to do. Like, I mean, that's like going up and hitting a home run or a grand slam your first at bat. Like, it's just, I mean, not that Neil's never done this before, but he had, you know, never really written an episode of Doctor Who before. And like, we've seen how other, like since then, certainly, and even before that, we've seen how certain other uh, works of his, uh, his that have been like, you know, kind of not done very well. Um, I would argue that outside of Good Omens, which we just reviewed on Earth Station One this week, and people should check that out, plug, plug. Um, I think this is the best televised or adapted Neil Gaiman thing ever. Wow. You heard it here, wow. folks. Yeah. Well, Also, I have a... I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead, Sherry. I was just going to say a point, uh, kind of just an interjection of what Mike was saying in regards to uh, Neil Gaiman's Good Omens, which was amazing. Thank you. Um, uh, And you should watch it, everybody. Uh, It was that if you look on Who Voiced House in this episode. Oh, yeah. That's exactly where I was going. (laughs) Yep. And he does a great job, too. He does an amazing job. Now, just imagine if it had been actually David. Uh, that oh. was, that had played the doctor. How how interesting! We had no idea that they would have that chemistry, but yet they do. Right. It's so glad they got yeah. to experience that in another project. You know. Oh, very much so. And House was just awesome as the bad guy for this. He was so calm, and he never like until the very end. He never even raised his voice or anything. He was just like. Oh, I'm not going to kill you guys. I'm going to atomize you. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah it's like, okay. Sociopath. <laughs> oh, exactly. Perfect psychopath. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The perfect psychopath. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was just, it was awesome to have that kind of villain because you never see him. You just, you feel him and he's all around you. And his torturing of Amy and Rory in this was just horrific. Or as we like to call him in the show, the Kenny of Doctor Who, you know. Hurry gets to die again. It was it was almost getting ridiculous with that. Yeah, but that that was so well done playing with Amy's head and all the times that you know how they you know Amy, you know, be having the door closed right behind her and Rory being stuck on the other side and then her finding what she thinks is Rory. There's elements of this that are just really creepy. Um, yes. I mean, that, that nightmare, uh, that Amy has to go through is one thing. Uh, but prior to that, the, um, uncle and auntie made up of parts of Time Lords. Yeah. It's just so mm-hmm. disturbing. Yes. That's oh, a very the- Neil Gaiman thing and it works perfectly. The yeah, look yeah. though on, on Matt's face when he realizes that, yeah. that the Time Lords that he came to rescue, they're all dead and they're, bodies have been like all cut up and put into oh he's furious auntie and uncle it was just awesome and and and, and, get that furious as 11 like he doesn't have that that same kind of darkness that sort of uh, 10 had you know so to see him get really serious and upset um is especially like yeah now it just seems really like he does it really well oh he gets very cold yeah. Oh, very yes. much so. And it's, it's chilling. Oh, like, very- like you, you really see that at the end when uh when the TARDIS is released 
And when Idris is back, released back as a TARDIS and she's exterminating House and he just goes, like, he just tells her, um, you know, go get him. <laughs> go get him. Yeah. Like, like, not a trace. Not a trace. Like, do not leave a trace of this being. Mm-mm. No. And you, you see this. You see, you, you know, Matt does have a dark side and you see it not all the time because he's usually the weird goofy guy, but when his dark side does come out and you see it quite a bit in this episode. You do, especially when he finds those little boxes in the, in the little mailboxes. When she tells him originally the boxes will make you mad. And when he finally finds those little messages in the box, you see that glint in his eye. That's, that's probably the first time you see how angry he is. Oh, very much so. And I love when House says to the doctor on the TARDIS and goes, I've killed hundreds of Time Lords. And he's, and he, and then he turns and says, fear me, I've killed them all. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was just like blood curdling right there. It was just like, oh, don't get on that doctor's bad side. This was also the first time, I think, that we really got to see Rory get into some of his anger even though it was a fake rory he when he if you could just imagine him being the one going off on amy when she finds him and he's he's aged and he says they come to me every night and they hurt me and they come and they hurt me every night and he mentions you left me alone for two thousand years and you did it again and he gets really angry even though it's not really him it's just house messing with her where did house get that from you know that had to come from somewhere so sometimes you wonder if that really does live deep within rory no that's a good way to put it actually because you do you know this is all in amy's head and house is pulling it out and Mm -hmm. you know she must you know she must have seen it with him before it's an interesting counterpoint to i think it comes later but with the girl who waited um Right, the one where like she gets left behind, like a version of Amy gets left behind, mm-hmm. yeah, and and gets angry and becomes hard and angry, and and so it's really kind of an interesting juxtaposition between that and the, I think it happens both in this season. No, I think that's the next season, okay, or the next part of the season because you remember this, um, this season what they split it into two because this this season this is the whole thing with that they think the doctor gets killed right yeah by the astronaut yep and they they just they just went through that what two stories before this and this right. is this is actually leads perfectly mike into the question that i actually have for you you have to realize that's not even the real amy we're seeing in the mm-hmm. story but that yeah i don't that's the whole the gang, the gang, the, <laughs> right. the ganger uh ganger yeah. amy right. That's the fake Amy, and yes, that's going through this. Right into the ganger story. Yeah, exactly, because it goes into Rebel Flesh from here. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I don't does. think this really works for that, though. Like, no, it it doesn't. Have, but you have to. There's no clues in this that it's it's not really Amy. No, like, but like you said earlier, they did the only thing they, the river in the woods or something. Yeah, they a, have the river at the end. River is mentioned at the end. Um, because that's the last thing that the TARDIS says because to Rory before, um, yeah, before Idris becomes back, goes back in the TARDIS. She mm-hmm. says something like that to him. The only um, water in the, the woods is the river or something like that. The and only then, water in the forest is the yeah. river. Yeah. 
And then, of course, in the beginning of the episode, Rory and Amy have a moment because they're like, you know, they're still freaked out that he's dead. Um, and so they're trying not to reveal that to him. Exactly. But Amy, Amy in particular is freaked out. Well, of course. Because so. she doesn't also remember the silence. So that's going on, too. So all these little things. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Neil does a fantastic job with juggling all of them. Um, and my understanding is since it, it was supposed to, you know, they they weren't sure what it was going to hit on the schedule and everything like that. So there was a lot of writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and, and, and doing stuff, uh, involved. And yet he stuck with it. Um, one of the things was, of course, the, uh, uh, he wanted Originally, he wanted them to be in a, a, a classic style TARDIS, uh, you know, um, instead of David's, ten, uh, like the one for like nine and ten. Uh, but like I was reading about it and it said that it was too cost prohibitive, so they couldn't do wet. And I'm like, didn't that cost like 12 cents? Like, <laughs> <laughs> was it like, <laughs> didn't the old TARDIS like cause like, you know, like, 50 pence or whatever. Like mm -hmm. it's so cheap looking. Like I can't believe that they couldn't have done that, but, but it could, uh, it could have cost just as a lot less than probably those hallways cost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It is interesting seeing the juxtaposition. I I'd forgotten what a crazy, uh, you know, we talk about the, the TARDIS now, what it looks like with the 13th doctor and Matt's TARDIS is really hard to get your head around. Like it, you shoot it from a different angle and it looks like a different TARDIS really. Um, I can't say that I love it, but it really fits his doctor. Well, it was the steampunk TARDIS basically. I actually no, no, like the it. steampunk like one it. is one the, before that. I like this TARDIS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think of the steampunk one being nine and tens. See, I think this one's because this also has the pinball machine. This also has the ketchup bottles. Yeah, this I would has, say it's you know, very steam steampunk. Explain. Yeah. And also, it's, he, he's very steampunk at the end when he's fixing the TARDIS. Yeah, I, that's one thing yeah. I love about this TARDIS, when, uh, like the, that underneath the console. Mm -hmm. uh, they really work that into a lot of cool scenes. And, and Matt just hanging from cables uh, and fixing stuff and you know popping, popping cords or whatever. It just it looks great. And I love that. I, I love that story where at the end where he goes when Amy and Rory say, uh, "This time when you give us a bedroom, can we not have bunk beds? <laughs> what yeah. a bed with a ladder? What's not to like?" Speaking of the different control rooms, um, there's a there's a line when she's telling the doctor when when the TARDIS and the doctor are in the makeshift TARDIS and they're heading back to his TARDIS. And she says that I've, I've directed Rory to go to one of the old control rooms. The doctor tells her, but I, you know, I deleted those. And she says, no, I archived them. And she says, I archived like 30 of them. And he says, well, I've only recreated it 12 times. And she <laughs> says, yeah. And he says, well, you can't archive something that hasn't been made yet. And she says, well, you can't. And I just, I love that line. Yeah, but that makes she, you think. She's, she's 30 control rooms. Yeah. And yeah. She, she does. There is an element to her because she is telling him stuff of his past, but also revealing stuff of the future. So like really, it does make it seem like she really is like more omnipresent. 
Oh, yeah. Well, she, she is. I mean, she's across all space and time. So for her, everything's happening at once. Yeah. Exactly. And he goes to another desktop the next season. So it's true, mm-hmm. which, I, which I much preferred, actually. Well, it went right into Capaldi's. So, yeah. Because it pretty much was the same thing, just evolved a little bit. But it was gorgeous to see. And I was so happy to see Nine and Ten's desktop again. It was like, ah, I love that one. Yeah, that was fun. I think that actually worked better than using a classic one anyway. I mean, for the, the color story. blue is so soothing in that one. It just, mm-hmm. it, you know, I want that light in my bedroom. That's like the, the, the light coming from the walls and the, and the control panel, that blue, that sea blue is just really nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, it worked really well too, color wise, with the green that was represented by the house. Because I thought that that element, like if it had been one of the classic series ones, it probably would have uh, not maybe gone over as well. Um, but uh, and but I had forgotten too until watching this that uh, speaking of uh, TARDIS consoles, the one that they you know sort of create out of uh, a bunch of parts on the on the uh, planet was actually the result of a contest winner of Blue Peter, which is works out way better than the <laughs> villain. Way better. Oh, don't no no don't don't even mention that villain. Nope. 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 Do no, not. No, no, no. Look, that was one of that was Mary's first episode with us. How can you say not it, so. it was her favorite episode. It, it was, was her favorite episode. It, it was a episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite absorbing. Huh? A lot. <laughs> so, uh, give it up for Suzanne Leia, who uh, the twelve-year-old who created that uh, little console. Awesome! Great Yay. job! Yay! No, I just I thought it all worked amazing. I thought the Ood cousin was very spooky. Oh, uh, that was creepy. Oh yeah, especially when Amy was in the dark and she started reaching out and. <laughs> Fell in the t- tentacles. It was like, oh. I never thought that that was creepy. I've, I've been in dark rooms and I felt things I shouldn't have felt. So I could understand. That, you know? <laughs> well, watch where you're putting your hand. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, Be careful of ooze. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, but you know, it's, it's weird that, and I don't know, is this the first time we'd seen the Ood since the Satan Pit? No, we saw them in uh, Tenants last oh, couple right. of Oh, right. There's like the one with Donna, right? Oh, like, right, right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But they, yeah. We haven't uh, seen we haven't seen Ood since, though. But we are going to see them this season, right? I th- the ru- it, rumor. Rumor. Yeah. Right. yeah. Rumor. But, yeah, exactly. But... It's but it was interesting because um, when cousin got destroyed, uh, Eleven said another Ood I couldn't save. Yep. Yeah. I was just like, oh man. Yeah. That's too bad. Mm-hmm. But it was it was really interesting, and the well, story yeah. it flowed very. There was no dead points in the story. You know, sometimes you have a couple like as we say here in the States, commercial breaks, you know, but you know, air, like sometimes in even the hour long stories, you have a little bit of downtime and everything. This story just flowed just constantly. There was no stopping in this. Agreed. It didn't feel like, like it was, it, it, it was, it flowed very well. 
Um, some of the, even the, the action scenes, once it got going, it, it never really up and down. It didn't lull at all, but it didn't feel as long as it was because of that. It felt like the story just came through and then it was just done. But but there was so much dialogue and so much information that you, you kind of almost had to watch it a second time just so you could pick up those little gems. Hmm. All right. I think I think it's definitely one that uh, the more you watch it, each time you watch it, you pick up something different and it enhances it. Yeah, you just agree. The more you get out of it, I this is this is one of those ones. I, I think I could watch it another five bazillion times and never tire of it because. And I, I probably will. <laughs> just well, here here's a big question. Actually, um, was this storyline the first time they actually talked about? Time Lords changing sex. I was he does say that I was wondering that myself. I don't. I don't know. I, that's a good question. Because I, mean, I did notice it though. I was like, "Whoa!" Oh okay. yeah. Oh, it's right there. You know, it was right there at yeah, the very beginning I'm not of the sure story. If it's the first time or not, but they definitely make a make a point of mentioning it. So yeah, so I was just like I was watching that and it was just like oh because i was like trying to race my mind behind if there were any times before that i know like you could pick other species and stuff look at what romana did in the old series sure. and such but you know you never saw her change sex or they even talk about it i don't think it's ever mentioned in the classic series uh i would find it difficult to believe that would never be mentioned in the RTD years, because he seemed like that's something that he would have brought to the table. Yeah, I don't remember that though. But I can't yeah. think of anything specific. So, um, so maybe it is. Maybe it is. That's mm. something that uh, I know. We got people who are listening that are like, "You stupid idiots!" And it was mentioned like on this episode. <laughs> that's every episode they do that to us. Mike. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. So, uh, yeah, so I expect in the comments when we post this, people will be saying which episode it was mentioned prior to this. And uh, I can think of uh, at least three people that were probably catch it off, catch up. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, we'll, we'll get emails. And, you know, and I, and I love those three people. So. As well, you should. I have, a, I have a question. I have a question for the three of you as well. And this, I, I did a little research on Reddit, and this might be a little controversial. And if it is, I apologize. Um, oh dear god no not Uh, controversy on this show (laughs) so okay in the makeshift TARDIS control room that they create on the planet from bits and pieces of old TARDISes that they get into when it lands and or takes off or one or the other and both I can't remember it makes the sound okay there is an episode prior to this one in which River Song says that the only reason the TARDIS makes that sound is because he leaves the parking brake on. So are we to assume, and that's the controversial part. Everybody went nuts over that. You know, well, does every TARDIS leave the parking brake on? Or maybe TARDIS just make that sound. And they, they thought she was being uppity and or know-it-all. Either way. I liked that episode, but um, do you think that the fact that the makeshift TARDIS makes that noise as well, that he just left the parking brake on again, 
Or is that actually the noise that TARDISes make? Because when River says that in the other episode, she actually turns it off. So what are your thoughts on that? I think the doctor just doesn't know how to fly the TARDIS without the parking brake on. <laughs> I okay. <laughs> I think, uh, and I love me some River. Um, yeah. So uh, I say this with a lot of love in my heart. But much like the doctor, uh, River Song lies. And and she will say what she will just to get her point across. And I don't think you, could, you should take anything that she says with, uh, you know, too much seriousness like that. Um, there's plenty of, there's plenty of examples in the classic series where there are other TARDISes that make that noise. There are kind of her thing to tease him there. Yes. And also another thing about like when she's, when she's, when Idris reveals herself as the TARDIS to convince the doctor, she makes that noise. Now she doesn't even have, so like, that's just, that's, just the noise that's the noise of a tardis um i think even the did the masters tardises have make that noise i believe he did it oh did. yeah so when the, when the grand yeah, clock disappears everybody that, leaves the parking brake on is just ridiculous i think she probably <laughs> just she probably just said that to get under his skin or something right yes i think she said that i to agree like, Make a lot of like Doctor Who geeks like do the math and try to figure out all this stuff and create a little like mountain of a molehill. Because rivers, and why not? <laughs> rivers exactly <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I even brought it up is because I went back and I watched that episode, and um, she does actually flip a switch and turn the sound off. So whether that's the parking brake or not, um, it's hard to say. But uh, that's the only reason I even brought it up. Because if she had just mouthed those, if she had just said those words, if she had just verbalized that, it would have just, for me, and even still now, it does feel like you said, Mike, it's just her teasing. It's yeah. just her trying to get under his skin. And because I still that, feel that way. In that same sequence, I think, I believe in that same sequence, she mentions that she was taught how to fly the TARDIS by someone brilliant, which, of course, we find out later was the doctor. Was him. No, was him, right? So, no, it's the TARDIS that teaches Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. It was the TARDIS, right. Sorry. So, you know, is there a switch that can turn the noise off? Yes. Is it really yeah. a parking brake? The Probably fact that the TARDIS has a parking brake is just kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, well, it, 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 it's still a good line. <laughs> yeah. It's still a great river line. Oh, yeah. It's such a husband and wife thing to say to each yes, other. Yes, it is. It's, really, it's just like couple bantering. It's not really meant to be taken seriously. <laughs> so here's the question I have for you guys. Oh, uh, so oh, oh, since we're talking about river, it really does kind of lend itself to this episode, which is called the doctor's wife, which of course is not uh, a reference to river. Although river is mentioned at the end, which is kind of interesting, but, um, and obviously there's companionship, there's love between the Doctor and the TARDIS. Um, what do you think of the title? Because it's never really mentioned in the in the actual episode of them having a husband and right, li- a wife relationship. Hmm. Is it kind of a? I mean, it's kind of an interesting title, but does it really fit? Well, technically, the Doctor is pretty much married to the TARDIS. Or it could be called the doctor's mistress. I mean, it's certainly the partner that the doctor has been with the longest. 
True. 700 years, according to her. True. Mm-hmm. So you could say that, that she is his life partner, whereas um, his wife, uh, being River, is, you know, a physical partner. Um, but again, now, you know, you could really dig into that if you want to dig into different gender relationships and, and how people, you know, different relationships that there are, family, what makes a family, who's your wife, can you have more than one? You can really go into that, but I don't think we want to be on the phone that long. So um, I honestly think that the doctor would give up anything for the TARDIS. Therefore, she is his life partner. Or it is the doctor's life partner. I hate using the gender pronouns like that. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, the doctor's life partner doesn't have as good of a title sound to it than the doctor's wife. So no, it doesn't. That. So, <laughs> so yes, I, I understand that. And maybe you know that you know Neil could have. I don't know. I mean, look, who am I to question Neil? Right? If that's yeah, I don't think Neil's the one who came up with the title. I think that's Stephen Moffat. If he wants to use that, then that's fine. But yeah, I'm pretty sure um, it was Stephen Moffat. Yeah. Um, but I, I just found it interesting um, because there is, yes, there's a lot of like flirting in this episode. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> her name, her name, he names the TARDIS sexy. That's what we find out in this episode. Mm-hmm. And that's always been her name. So trying to adhere that to the classic series is just mind blowing, but um, certainly it's more interesting, probably more fitting to see, you know, new who refer to uh, the TARDIS as sexy. I loved it though. When Amy was like, that's the TARDIS, huh? And it's like, did you really wish really, really hard for a girl? <laughs> exactly. <Right. laughs> you wish really, really hard. Like, that, that, that was perfect. It was absolutely perfect because once, you know, the doctor refuses to believe it, you know, cause she has to convince him that she's the TARDIS. And, uh, and once he realizes that it is the TARDIS and they can talk, he's very excited. Yeah. Of course. And that's what, one of the wonderful things about it. And then when she said, oh, my name is sexy. And she was, Amy was like, of course it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the odd thing about Matt, though. Matt has a way of being excited even when he's talking in terms that are like, like sexy, that is sort of not really like very sexual, if you know what I mean. Like, it's just, I don't really feel like this romantic sexual energy from him. No, that was one of the great things about him was, you know, how Tennant was all more human and, you know, the whole thing with him and Rose and the crush that Martha had on him and such like that, where, Matt's doctor was more alien and even like when Amy kissed him at the end of the one storyline with the weeping angels, he was, his eyes opened wide and was like, mm, what is this? Ah, yeah. You know, right. The same thing happens when the TARDIS, uh, when Idris kill, kisses him, he's like, yeah. like freaks out like a, like a, you know, like a 10 year old. Well, um, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then the only one he really enjoys kissing is river. But, but even, even uh, just a couple, ep- even ahead. just a couple episodes before this one, when he drops her back off at prison and she kisses him, even then that was supposedly his first time kissing her because he says that's never happened before. 
Um, when she kisses him, even then he's not sure what to do with his hands and he goes on his tiptoes and he's, you know, there's not a whole lot of, of, you know, sexuality there at all. With yeah. Him. That sounds like Mike in 10th grade. It was really awkward for me. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, sounds like me like yesterday. Um, the, uh, uh, I, I think, I, and I think it's a great dynamic though that that is that Matt just owns because he he's just so awkward about all of that stuff. He's really he really feels like asexual or you know certainly alien to that sort of those sort of concepts. Um, so I just find it interesting because I think. You know, the one thing I love the river storyline, how it plays out and everything and the fact that they get married. But the one thing that always kind of even though they have great chemistry, I, they don't have great sexual chemistry. It's not until later when you have uh, River with uh, Peter Capaldi's doctor that I think you feel the romantic sexual chemistry between the doctor. Oh, God, yes. Or even prior yeah. to that with 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 uh, David Tennant and Ten in the river. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure I totally agree with that no. <laughs> Com- completely. But but I will say that I think that relationships just he's not human. <laughs> relationships mean a very different thing. They look at it in a very different way, I think, as time lords. And I mean, especially since you're not limited in the same sense, you know, with time or even with physicality, because you you know you're gonna change. And so it's uh, Matt, I think, was very good at, at playing, playing being the other, <laughs> being the alien, being, being mm-hmm. a, a being who just doesn't think of things in the same way as a human would. Not, not that those relationships don't mean a lot to him. No, no, right. Not, no, not that he doesn't care or have compassion and empathy, but he just, you know, they just, he doesn't feel about them in the same way because he can't, because he just, he's not, he's, he, He's basically lives in a whole different universe than we do with different perceptions. No, agreed. I think that I think that in this in this sense, going back to what he calls the TARDIS, i.e., sexy, he names her sexy. I work with a lot of um, tech nerds, and when a new gadget comes out, mm-hmm. all of us call it sexy. sexy. Yeah, and right. or it's like a guy with a new car. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, and and I think the whole the 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 one attraction. Speaking of Matt and River, or Matt's doctor and River, is that when he does kind of go, ooh, you know, sexy. When he's talking about when he's talking about River specifically, he's in love with her brain, and that is, of course, just another gadget. If you think about it in a technical term. So when she comes up with something very intelligent, that's when you get to see little glimpse of glimpses of Matt kind of, oh, you know, who's this girl kind of thing. And that is the attraction. He's, he's attracted to her brain. That's, uh, and, and that's interesting. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of, yeah, well, that's a whole other, like the whole, their whole relationship is a whole other podcast, <laughs> but which at some point yeah, I'm I think sorry. we cover, but uh, I just find it interesting because, you know, obviously with this season in particular, I think with an episode called The Doctor's Wife, and, you know, I think it's not very long after this that it's revealed that, uh, like, who River is, that um, during, certainly during Matt Smith's era, that you're kind of like, oh, well, He's got two wives or I'm confused, you know, 
but mm-hmm. well, you know, I, I know that it's not literal here, but uh, I just find it interesting as the 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 the, the title. Yeah. Well, I also think that the title was a little bit controversial, and that was intended. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that got I mean, obviously, to watch it and to talk about it. Absolutely. I mean, I know for a lot of people, especially classic Doctor Who fans, the just the very idea of the Doctor having a relationship will just blows their mind. Mm-hmm. Well, like, in a bad way. Well, that goes back to classic Doctor Who, though, because the Doctor technically was married once before since he had a granddaughter. You don't need to be married. I don't know if you know this, Mike, but you don't need to be married to have a daughter. What? It doesn't always take a mommy and a daddy. No, it's true. <laughs> and they do. He could and have been his own spouse. Lord in a loom, love each other very. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> right, right, right. All right, all right. Hold on, hold on, hold. Put a stop. Nope, nope. We're not going any further there. That could go a whole nother episode right now. <laughs> like, yeah, Pride Month is over. Yeah, wait, wait, no, no. Hold, hold, hold. All right, let's get some final thoughts on this before we go ahead and rate this, because we're going down a deep, dark path right now. Dean, you thought your question was controversial. Wow, okay. All right, um, let's see. All right, Sherry, Let's. Uh, any final thoughts or anything before we rate this from one to five TARDISes, one being the worst? Uh, I would definitely give this one uh, four and a half. And I say that because I think that, um, like we talked about for all the points, it flows well. It's got great dialogue. It, um, it doesn't reveal too much. It doesn't reveal too little. It's action-packed. Um, ultimately, if your listeners haven't watched this episode in a while, I would recommend going back and watching it. What I did specifically was I started at the beginning of the season because this is only episode four. So I started with episode one just to kind of get back up to speed, but you don't need to do that because this is a standalone episode that I think rates at a 4.5. Awesome. Mr. Mike. I'm going to give this a five. Uh, I can't imagine this be this concept being um, depicted any better than it is here. Uh, the acting is great. It is a standalone. I mean, it's, it, yeah, any Doctor Who fan can watch this and, and relate to it, I think. Uh, to, an, to the extent of being the Doctor, having, you know, the relationship with the TARDIS and everything. Um, I, I think it's it's great fun. It's, it's yeah, it's it has some really creepy elements to it. Um, and... Yeah, I would put it right up there with, like I said, Neil's best, like the adaptations of, of, of Neil's like best stuff, like Coraline and Good Omens and this are the three that immediately come to mind. Uh, some of the others that I've seen have, have, have mixed results, you know, including, unfortunately, his next foray in, as, as a, a Doctor Who writer. But um, so. No, to- totally true. Totally true. Oddly enough, if it wasn't for his experience with uh the next one that he wrote um with the cybermen uh he probably would not have become the showrunner of good omens and uh so we have that to thank his because his his he was he wanted to make sure that nobody messed up good omens that it came out the way he wanted it to uh unfortunately it burned him out of being a showrunner and he said he's never going to do that again uh but uh i hope that uh we do definitely see his um uh his contributions to adaptations uh, welcomed in the future. No, 
totally makes sense. All right, I hope Mary- he's not done with Doctor Who. Sorry. Oh, I hope he. It would be great to see him write for Jody. I think it would be yes. awesome. Yeah, yes. he, he has said that he would like to, and I hope he gets the chance. Chris, if you're listening, please, <laughs> please. All right, Mary, go for it. Oh, I'm, I'm giving it a five. I mean, there are probably some things you could nitpick, but I don't care because it, it's it's brilliant. It holds up. I mean, it's it's really it, there's a lot to 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 get out of this episode. I mean, we didn't even touch on how it's about manipulation and perception and, um, you know, house is manipulating the situation to achieve its own ends. And the doctor does that too, but, but the difference is compassion and, and empathy. And that really comes through here and, and perceiving what, you know, what are relationships? What is the TARDIS? What is the doctor? What is, what is the world? And it's just playing around with all of that. And even the, the, going back and forth between um, the the way time is portrayed and how time is not, not linear. And it's just brilliantly done. And just, I, like, I have seen it a million times and I just, I immediately was sucked in and had to watch it again. And, and I would still watch it again over and over. Just every time it holds up, I highly recommend people to go watch it if you haven't seen it. Agreed completely on that one truthfully come on folks if you haven't seen this one why are you listening to this episode come on <laughs> you know, not that we mind no never ever ever we never mind you it. listening but go watch it come on we've been spoiling the crap out of it for the last hour or so but yes um i'm gonna give this one a five also sherry you were slacking i'm sorry but <laughs> you know, no i'm not slacking hey. i don't give anything a five i don't no, give anything don't. the best thing they can get no, the reason I'm say giving for me, the reason I'm giving this a five, truthfully, it is to me the best Matt Smith episode. I love a lot of the Matt Smith stuff. I, you know, I'll put this one out there with any of them. And I think this one will beat it hands down. I think this is probably one of my favorites of the new series. It's just, it is solid all the way around, solid acting, story writing, acting, you know, you know, plot, everything. And it's a standalone. And like we've said throughout this episode, this one basically is, you know, could be any doctor. You could, you know, change out and it would work. I could see even, you know, old series doctors in this. Some of it would, like we said, had to be changed, but. I'm willing to put this up there as, you know, try to beat me with any of the other Matt Smith stories. You know, I don't think he can. And you know what? I'm going to throw the microphone down on that one. Mike drop. Sorry, I'm, just, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm going to drop myself. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just trying to picture William Hartnell uh, calling anything sexy. <laughs> now listen here, you <laughs> get back in there now. No. <laughs> I, I well, just wonder if he ever used that word. <laughs> or I'll hit it with a rock. That's right. <laughs> so, yes, um, definitely, please, we want to hear from you guys at home. ESWpodcast at gmail.com. Prove me wrong. So, there. Ha! I've laid the gauntlet. <laughs> and the, my name is Mike Gordon, so you could put it that way. You know. <laughs> Pass all your letters to Mike Gordon at... <laughs> But definitely, let's thank our guests for being here tonight. Sherry, it was awesome to chat with you tonight. 
Oh, it was great being here. And just one more plug. If you uh, are listening and, and you want to hear some nonsense, you should definitely check out this epic disaster. Um, you can get us anywhere. You can download podcasts. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash this epic disaster or just our main page, which is this epic disaster.com. This last episode, we talk about um, nakedness and eating meat. So good luck with that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> And we'll have Thank you link. all for having me. It was it was great chatting with all three of you. We'll have a link up in our show notes for it. And, you know, if you're a beer connoisseur out there, these guys know their stuff. And they got some good stuff that they beer taste every episode. So yes, that's we do. Yes, we do. another reason to listen to them. All right. Let's thank our regulars for being here. Mary, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was wonderful to be here. I love talking about this episode. It's one of my favorites. It was and, a lot of fun. And, oh, yeah, it was so much fun. And if anyone wants to see my artwork, you can find it at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. And Mr. Mike. As always, it's my pleasure. It's always great to talk to everybody at home, but we will be back again in a couple weeks. And we are going to actually have a friend of the show back on. And we are going to be talking, of course, to our friend Dan. Duza, and he was on a couple of months back when we did his Doctor Who a Feminist show, and he was one of our panelists, and we decided to have him back and talk about some of his favorite episodes, and we actually brought it up earlier in this episode. So we are going to be talking all about the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. So we're going back to the 10th Doctor, more Ood. More ood all the time. So we get to have more tentacle fun. So it'll be interesting. More ood going to their meeting their deaths. Exactly. (laughs) More ood we did not say. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, ouch, ouch. Ouch. Too soon. Too soon. Oh, it's only been 12 years. (laughs) I think we could be with that. I think we could deal with it. So it'll be a lot of fun. But until then, my name is Mike Faber. We will talk to you here next time on. Your Station Who podcast. Peace. And we're done. Yay! You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talent from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>